This episode is brought to you by Thorn, the industry leader in nutritional solutions. Now, Thorn is actually trusted by eight U.S. national teams and championship teams in the NFL, NBA, and Major League, as well as recently becoming the official sports performance nutrition partner of the UFC. So when it comes to supplements... The tactical athlete space and the athletic space need two things. We need efficacy, meaning the products do what they say they're going to do on the label. And then we need to trust the fact that we are not going to fail either athletic drug tests or work-related drug tests. Now, Thorne has actually been around since the 1980s, where they were used by physicians and hospitals for nutritional supplements for the patients. They were so successful that athletic teams and even special operations teams reached out to them and they started supplying them as well. Very recently, they actually opened their doors to the general public. Now, what sets Thorne apart is they manufacture their own products in a state-of-the-art NSF-certified facility in South Carolina. They use only the purest possible ingredients formulated with no stearates or arbitrary fillers in the cleanest manufacturing process. Most of you listening come from a profession where it can take its toll physically and mentally, and many of us are not able to bolster our nutrition purely with the food that we eat. And that's where supplementation comes in. So if you're ready to maximize your health and performance, visit thorn.com, T-H-O-R-N-E.com. Take a short product quiz to be paired up with the perfect health and fitness supplements. And for you, the audience, if you use the code BTS10, behind the shield 10, BTS10, you will get 10% off your first order. And if you want to learn even more about Thorn, go to episode 323 of Behind the Shield podcast and you will hear my interview with Wes Barnett and Joel Totoro from Thorn. Welcome to episode 347 of Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing and this week I'm extremely excited to welcome on the show Chris and Nick Nikich. Now, Chris was born with Down syndrome and has basically redefined the labels that many members of society gave him, firstly defying the odds overcoming surgeries and then later transitioning to a high level of athletics. And he is about to embark in a full Ironman in November in Pensacola here in Florida. So such an incredible conversation with Chris, with his father, Nick with his philosophy on what motivates him, uh, fake pain, his self-talk, understanding isolation in some of the adaptive community, and so many more elements. So you are going to absolutely love this conversation. Before we get to that interview, as I say every single week, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Each five-star rating truly does elevate the podcast and make it easier for everyone to find. And as I mentioned as well, this is a free library for you, the audience, whether it's individually, whether it's for an organization. So all I ask in return is that you take a moment, share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to every single person on planet Earth that needs to hear them. So with that being said, I introduce to you Chris and Nick Nikich. Enjoy. All right, so we're starting. Thank you so much for inviting me down to the house. Thank you for coming. Thanks. So for people listening, where are we located right now? Maitland, Florida. It's a beautiful house, by the way. Thank you. 
So I like to start at the very beginning. So if you want to give me a background of, you know, where, where you guys, where Chris was born as far as on planet Earth, and then kind of walk me through the early years. So the first early years, um, my mom was born in Minnesota. Oh, that's way too and far back. <laughs> my dad was born in Montenegro. That's right. And, and then I was born here. In Florida, Orlando. And then they came down here. That's right. When we were pregnant with you. When mom was pregnant with me. Yeah, mom was pregnant, not daddy. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I know there were some issues even when, when you were very small and you had to have some surgery. So tell me about that. Sure. Um, I had open heart. When and you were, how old were you when you had open heart? It was five. Five months old. And then I had ear problems. Ear problems all along the way. And you had eating problems. You couldn't eat food, except for baby food, till you were five. Baby food such as P.F. Chang's. And now you eat P.F. Chang's. You make up for it, don't you? Yeah. And then uh, you couldn't walk till after you were three, almost four. You needed a walker to walk. And, uh, but then we made up for it, didn't we? Mm-hmm. You started to work hard and you got better and better over time. So tell me about that. Cause the, the picture of you with the walker, obviously that's something that we see in, in a, a variety of, of physical challenges and kids. What was the, how, how did he transition from the walker? When was that first kind of uh, push for improvement physically? So because of the low muscle tone and, um, the weak ligaments and all the other stuff. It's just hard to develop like the other children. So just through through time, finally got strong enough where he could walk and then start to run a little bit. And um, we kept him very busy, very active, got him involved in different sports um, like the other kids throughout you know his childhood. And um, because he loved all the sports, he just played everything and worked hard and started to develop slowly. And uh, one of the things we did was actually have him do a lot of different things, which in hindsight turned out to be the wrong approach for someone with his abilities or disabilities. It's actually not as effective for his development as if we had taken a different approach. And that's one of the things we learned the last two years with Ironman is there's actually a much different approach that works much better for him uh, in terms of building him up. Um, variety might be good for the average person. But routine and repetition of the same thing is actually better for someone like him. See, that's interesting because I've had, the, like you said, the opposite with, with a lot of people that we see a lot of these college and high school athletes, you know, baseball pitching and pitching and pitching and pitching. And then these multi-sport athletes end up being a lot more resilient. But that makes a lot of sense if you want to narrow the field a little bit to work on that that one skill set or that one muscular growth. Yeah, the difference with him is that it takes much longer to build up that muscular uh, baseline. And so a typical person in the pitching example, right, they build up pretty quickly and then it's they wear out. Um, with someone like Chris, it takes so much longer to actually build the foundation that it's only after a long period of time that they've built the foundation that then you start to actually build up the muscles and everything else. So if you don't do that repetition enough, you ne- never get to the point where you're building a strong enough baseline to be able to build on that baseline. With Ironman training, we have figured out that it took a year, almost a year and a half for him to build a baseline where the typical person would could build that baseline in a couple, three months. 
in his case, it probably took five times longer just to get the baseline in place. And the typical person would, would think that he's never going to get there, except we realized that his runway was much longer. Yeah. And we needed to give him that much more time. Once he hit a certain point, then the acceleration from there actually happened pretty quickly. That's interesting. So, so it's really about pacing. So when, when you expect whoever, a certain human being to be at one point, then you just have to allow more time and, you know, and let them progress at their own rate. Much more time. Yeah. And what about recovery as far as post-exercise? More or less the same? Uh, recovery. What do you do we for did, recovery? Um, recovery workouts. But sure. I don't do I go today with you. Basically, I'm all working out. Yeah, so we do recovery workouts, but we negotiate. Yeah. Yeah, and, and actually what we found out is um, his recovery is pretty good as well. Uh, once he went past the, the initial setup and getting the foundation in place, uh, we realized that when he was starting to do really tough workouts, right? It took a year and a half or so to get to the point where we were really doing some serious workouts. Uh, then we realized his recovery was pretty good as well. So he'll go work out really hard today and then by tomorrow he'll be fine. Right. So, so even though, like you said, it takes longer for the foundation when it comes to when he gets to that higher level of athlete, now you're kind of comparing with other athletes around him. And we, yeah, we, we don't know for sure, but we are seeing that he's recovering pretty quickly and he's able to build on it pretty quickly. So his coach tracks his performance improvement and he does see continuous improvement over time. Um, sometimes to his surprise, he sees the improvement a little bit faster than he would expect. Yeah. So as slow as it was the first 15 months, it seems to be getting faster. And so the foundation he's built might be creating that counterbalance where now he's getting the benefit of all that. Right. So, Chris, when you were younger, what were some of the sports that you enjoyed? Golf, basketball. What was your favorite? I'm part of track programs. Track programs? Yeah. Yep. What's your favorite, basketball or golf? Both. Both, okay. Basketball and golf. Excellent. So, is that what you're going to go to after your... Ironman goals are met, or are you going to keep... So, right after the Ironman, I'm going to be scratch golfer. Scratch golfer. And oh, okay. From scratch golfer to NBA basketball player. Oh, play. NBA basketball. Okay, now we're really reaching. Well, you you and Luca, teammates? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm doing Clippers. Oh, yeah. You're going to help Luca against yeah. the Clippers? Okay, yeah. cool. So, back to the journey then. So, you know, he's, he's becoming more active. You know, he's able to to walk on his own what was the transition from just an active child to actually a competitive endurance athlete child well we went through a couple of phases uh when he was 16 we actually started doing the triathlon just to get in shape and we did it for a little bit and then that's when he had his surgeries so he had two years worth of major surgeries there were four-year surgeries months apart uh and so for a two-year period he became very sedentary so he went from being active and, and starting to develop nicely to being completely inactive. And he got to a point where he was really out of shape. He started gaining weight. He was getting overweight. And that's when we got back into the triathlon. Um, Special Olympics started a pilot program in Florida. And they invited Special Olympics athletes to try the triathlon. And Chris was one of the first four to start that program. And that's when we started working out a little bit at a time and you know, eight or 10 kids joined the program and, 
you know, Chris started just to get a little bit more into it. So that was the transition. The the transition from starting the triathlon to becoming um, what I would consider a serious athlete happened last October. Oh, really? So recently? So less than a year ago. When we hit a point, he had done a number of sprints and he was doing them slowly compared to the other athletes. But on um, October 11th, we were doing a lake swim at Lucky Lakes down in Orlando. And he crossed the lake, which is the first time you cross the lake, you get to sign a wall. And uh, so he did that. Remember doing the, when you cross the lake, what did you sign on the wall? Trump. What? So give him the whole thing. Chris? Yes, champ. But what, what was the word before champ? World. World, yeah. Chris, world champ. So he just crossed the lake and he signed Chris world champ. And that's when I looked at him and we looked at each other and said, hmm, world champ. I wonder if he can be world champ at something. And that's where the thought of, what about Iron Man? I wonder if someone with Down syndrome ever, has ever done an Iron Man. Right? Up to that point, going from a sprint to Olympic seemed impossible. Yeah. Having the thought of potentially doing a half Iron Man or Iron Man was just totally unrealistic. But we decided to look at that and said, hey. So I said to Chris, hey, Chris, why not be an Iron Man? Be the first person in the world with Down syndrome and do an Iron Man. What did you say? When I said, why don't, why don't you be the first person to do an, an Iron Man? Yeah. And you said, yeah. What question did you ask me? Do you remember? I'm not uh, You said to me, sure, Dad, what do I have to do? And what did I say? What do you have to do to do an Iron Man? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, smile. Smile, yeah. No excuses. No excuses. No complaining. No complaining. And what else? Work hard. Work hard and get? Get 1%. 1% what? Better. How Every often? Day. Every day. That was the plan. And then what did you ask me? Why should I do it? Eat more. And and, um, and eat more. That was your last formula. Eat more. So do all eat that. Eat more rice. And eat more rice especially. <laughs> <laughs> and then what did, what, what did you say? Why should I do it? And what did I tell you? Chris, when you asked me why should I do it, what did I say to you? Chris, write down. Speak, no, stand up and speak up to the man. Oh, tell him. I um, said, write down your... I have to write my dreams. So, like. So, what did you write down? I wrote down get this house, get a car, and get a wife from Minnesota. <laughs> get a smoking. Yeah. <laughs> Tell him. I did. <laughs> wife rhymes with smoking. Okay, wife rhymes with smoking. Okay. <laughs> so that's what he said he wanted. That's that was his dream. Buy a, wife, buy a house, buy a car, and get a smoking hot blonde wife from Minnesota. I think like my mother. Like your mother. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, though. Then when, when I came in, you were just finishing up, was it 25-mile bike ride? Did I see that right? So there are so many people listening to this that would not be able to do a 25-mile bike ride, and that's a fraction of what you're going to be doing in the Ironman. So how... What do you tell yourself when you get tired when you're swimming or cycling or, or running to keep going? I definitely swim on the swim. But a bike and a run is like extreme heat. And I don't like that. You don't like the extreme heat? No. And when it's really, really hard, he says, what do you tell yourself to keep going? Fake pain. Fake pain. Tell him. Fake pain. And what is fake pain? What do you tell what do you tell the fake pain? 
Get my head. Get out of your head. So if I'm if I'm rightly reading an uh, interview with someone else that you wrote to, so fake pain for everyone listening is pain that you can keep working through. So it's the muscle pain and the tiredness and that little voice in your head. So I think a lot of people need to hear that. I love that term, fake pain. And what's, what's real pain? For both. Real pain is when it lasts beyond the exercise. Fake pain is when it ends the moment you end exercising. I and think so it's you, brilliant. So you know it's fake. Because the moment you stop, it goes away. Yeah, and then you feel like you gave up. So we have, we have learned, haven't we, how to get the fake pain out of our head so we can keep going, right? Do you like fake pain? Kind of sore. Kind of sore because it makes you tell you're working hard? You get out of here. Oh, you get out of here. No, you get out of here, Marky. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious then, you, you crossed the lake and you wrote World Champion Crits. How does that translate? How, how have you planned from that one swim to one of the toughest races on planet Earth? So how do we plan that? Do you remember? So we planned on right after the Ironman, the Mercury spot in Kona. So they told you if you do the Ironman, they give you a spot in Kona? Yeah. All right. So remember how we started planning. So we said, okay, world champ. So the first goal we set in October was to do what in January, just two months later? Uh, what was the f- race we did in January? What's it called? Daytona. No, the, the, we did Daytona in December, which uh, was a sprint. And then January, we went to Sarasota and did the, what's the other distance? Oh, Olympic. Olympic. That's right. We did the Olympic. So we said, okay, let's go try the Olympic, which was two months later. And the coach said, nope, you're not ready. You can't do it. And when coach said, you're not ready, you can't do it, what did you say? I said, get out of my way. Get out of my way. (laughs) (laughs) That's fake pain. (laughs) And then you said, let's go try it, right? And we went and we did it. We did the Olympic. And that was the first week of January. And then we actually went and bought that big white calendar that he has. That's in his room. And we sat down and he started writing down his whole plan between April and between January 1st and May May 9th. We wrote down a plan to train to do half Ironman. And that was the one that was canceled? That was the one that was canceled. Right. So we did. So we built a plan. Remember, we sat down, we put it on a big whiteboard. We wrote down goals. We wrote down dreams. And then what do you do with your calendar every day? Look at it. And then, yep, you look at it and you read it. What do you read on your calendar? What's the most important thing on your calendar? Um, focus. Okay. Anything else? What do you keep telling me every night you want? I want a... What? When? No. No. <laughs> So, so the focus is mainly the wife from Minnesota. That's the okay. focus. Every day, I want a wife now. And we say, nope, not until after Iron Man. Pastor says before. No, not before. You need a standing at the finish line to That's give right. you even more we motivation. We need some motivation. One thing at a time. We can't get distracted. What I happened? always get distractions. All right, tell the, tell the man what happened last time you were riding your bike and you got distracted when you thought you saw a smoking hot line. I fell. You fell. <laughs> So, no more distractions. That's why I tell you, you got to wait till after Iron Man. <laughs> I know. It's like no distractions. Yeah. One goal at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Iron Man first. 
Well, for everyone listening that's not extremely familiar with triathlons, tell me the distances of the ones that you did, the, the first one in the Olympic distance, and then, and then what you're actually going to be running, swimming, and biking in the Ironman. Okay, so do you know how long the Olympic is? 0.9 mile swim. 0.9. And how many mile bike? You remember? Mm, it's been a long time ago. 25 mile bike. Yeah, 25. And uh, a 10K run. Yeah. Okay, do you remember the half Ironman? How long was that? That was... 1.2 1. mile. Mile swim. Then uh, 56. 56 mile. Bike. And... The more fun. 13 point half marathon. Yeah. 13.1 mile run. Yeah. How long is the full Ironman? Tell the man. Speak up. 2.4 mile. 4 by 112 bike. 112 mile bike. And, uh, How long is the run? 26. 26.2 roughly. So an inc- like a two mile swim. 2.4 mile yeah, swim. Over a 100 mile bike yep. and then a run a marathon at the end. How much is that total? How many miles? 70. 140. 140.6. 0.6. Amazing. In 17 hours. To get that smoking hot wife. Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you at now, Chris, as far as your training? You're, you're obviously working towards those distances. What's, what's the... The furthest you've swum, ran, and cycled so far. So, what's the furthest you've swam? Do you know? Probably the Lachlan Lake. So, Lake. Uh, so, you did 7,000 yards. That was your longest. Yeah. And then, so sometimes run. I do it here. And we do it here. And then, I run here. And what's the longest uh, bike and, uh, we've done? Bike here. Sure. What's the longest bike we've done? Do you remember how many miles? It was 84, actually. 84. And then uh, yesterday or or Sunday, how far did we run? 16 and a half miles. 16. Brilliant. So, you, I mean, you've already kind of got close to those distances in each one. We're getting close. We're just not, haven't quite done them all. Combined together. This one is the easiest. We haven't done them all. We haven't combined it. Yeah. What's What's your favorite event and what's your least favorite event? The running. Running is what? Favorite or least? Favorite. Why is it favorite? The blondes. The blondes at the end? Yeah. And what's your least favorite? The one, swim. Your least favorite is the swim? Yeah. Why? Because the ladies see the cute butt. It's all about the ladies. <laughs> They're so silly. It's motivation. Um, hey, here's 20. Yeah, well, there you go. I, I totally get it. I totally get it. So one thing I heard you guys talking about in, I think it was one of the videos, and then we just discussed before we were talking as well, is the community element. And this is, you know, not just in in racing, this is in you know, police service and the fire and military and everything, that we underestimate how important it is for that tribal element as human beings. So what about that? As, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of the people in the Downs community or, or other areas um, find themselves isolated. So what was the, the the healing element of him actually being around other athletes? Well, so tell them tell about all of the people who are helping you. Just tell them about some of them. Um, it was Simone, Hector, Dan, Carl, Dan, and Ren. 
Carlos, Jen, and Wynn. Those are your core people that are around you all the time. Yeah. So what does Simone do for you? She does the forcing of sorts. The short workouts, the fun ones, right? Yeah. She's like the fun coach. Yeah. Okay. And Hector? Strength. Strength and planning. And Dan? Which which distances does Dan do with you? The half. Yeah, the long ones. Yep. And he does the races with you. So Dan is his guide. So he does the races with him. And then Jen and Carlos, what do they do? They train. They train with you almost every Saturday and Sunday, right? Yeah. And when? What does she do? She started the she started, Yeah, she started the whole program. And she's encouraging you all the time and helping you and opening doors for you and training with you. So that's just part of the team. Who teaches you how to swim? You. Me? <laughs> Who else? Mom. Mom, okay. And then how about... Every Saturday and Sunday, when we go out running or biking, who else shows up? You. Who else shows up? Who showed up this Saturday? Jenny. Jenny. She's an Iron Man, right? Yeah. And then the, the week before, who showed up? Like 10 people showed up. The neighbors start riding with you. People came from other parts of the state to ride with you. Yeah. So... Do you like that when a lot of people come to ride with you and run with you? Yeah. Yeah. Does it make it a lot more fun? Yeah. So now it's like a, you know, people are coming from everywhere to train with him. So he's not isolated anymore. Yeah. So so expand on that then. So tell me uh, what you saw as far as isolation and, you know, what people need to know about that. So isolation is a little bit like, um, like coronavirus to an extreme where you stay home, you're away from other people. You spend your days playing video games and watching TV. And every day blurs into the next day. And there's nothing really uh, worthwhile to look forward to. You're not invited to parties. You're not invited to social events. You're not invited to sporting events. You kind of live a life of isolation. And because you don't fit in, people don't quite know how to involve you or include you. They don't know what to do. And so the easiest thing to do is just ignore and so um, a lot of young adults with special needs end up living a life of isolation simply because the community isn't set up to include them. And so what Chris has done is he has forced his way into the club. Absolutely. <laughs> Haven't you, buddy? He said, I'm here. Kick the door you know, in. Kick the door in. He said, I'm here. <laughs> this is me. Let's go do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so yesterday, what did we do yesterday morning? What time did we wake up? It was five. Yeah, five. And then where do we go? Uh, Barbary Park. No, yesterday. Who's Lake? Oh, uh, Nuckies. Wins. What? <laughs> we went to Wins Lake yesterday. Oh, no. It's called Nuckies. Okay, so who's at Wins Lake at 5 at 30 in the morning? Bunch of ladies. Bunch of ladies, all Ironman. All training? Yeah, all training. And he's there with the other Ironmans. So now he's part of the group. You know, he shows up for the training. They all go swimming. He goes for a bike ride around the neighborhood. They all show up and ride with him. So it's become um, a community where he has become part of the community, where they embrace him. They want to help him. And a big part of it is, uh, you know, he honestly has kicked the doors down and said, look, I'm here and include me. And they're including him and they're loving the, the fact that he is working so hard to be part of the group. Yeah. Well, that's something I've seen. I've you know, been an athlete myself and watched you know, the adaptive athlete space 
change from, like you said, you had, well, this is your Olympics and then everyone else is going to be over here. And the Special Olympics is an incredible organization to, I think CrossFit actually has a, a big part in this too, which is amazing. But to seeing, you know, these wounded warriors, these congenital amputees, these, you know, autistic children, Down syndrome, all being able to work out in that communal space. And I think that's, that's so amazing to see because why, why wouldn't it be that way? The same way as, you know, if I lift a lot less weight than the giant men and women in my gym. You know, I have to scale that way. It's no different if you just work around whatever physical or mental challenges that you have. Absolutely. So, so as a as a parent with him almost turning twenty one, or Chris, through your eyes, how have you seen that community improve? Have you seen it get better and better? Where more of your friends with you know with any challenges being involved and accepted more? Um, I'm accepted more messages from people through social media. Uh, all the other Down syndrome kids feel anxiety has down here. But, um, are they getting asked to get involved more? Yeah. And do we invite them? Yeah. And do they come? Yeah. Sometimes. So the community is open, just as they have been, to embrace Chris with open arms. But it was because he invited himself in. Yeah. A lot of the other peers that he has are still keeping themselves out. So one of the things we've learned is that if you want to be included, you've got to make an effort to be included. So just because the community is willing and open doesn't mean it's going to happen if his peers don't choose to um, do their part to get included. It, it's a two-way two-way street. Yeah, you, you kind of need both. They've got to be willing to do their part, and the community, uh, we, our experience has been, is very open to accepting and including them in the environment. Yeah. Well, I think I think Chris is inspiring people to do that. I think some people need to be led. And I think what you're doing is incredible because you're showing people, well, I'm not going to sit around and wait for people to invite me. I'm like you said, I'm going to go kick in the door. I'm going to do an Ironman today, maybe Kona next. Right. So I think it's amazing. <laughs> and we're not we're not seeing. Uh, so maybe you know we're looking around and saying, why aren't more people kind of standing up and doing more? Probably has something to do with coronavirus, right? With the whole virus, everybody's more concerned right now. And we're hoping that if he keeps going and he sets the the bar high enough that people will follow i'm and, sure and they'll you know maybe it's going to take you know one person here and one person in tampa and one person in st louis and then maybe those 10 will get 10 more and 10 more and 10 more and so maybe this will take two or three years before we get some momentum going but you know all we can do is is you know control help him control his effort and just be an example and hopefully that's enough to get inspire other people to, to get started yeah, I think so completely. And how you mentioned Corona, how has that affected your training with us not being able to socialize as much at the moment? I've been having PF change. PF change. Training. Forget about PF <laughs> You got rice on the so brain. Like, <laughs> training goes with you. So how hard has training been since the virus hit? What What do we miss out in training? What's been closed? RDV. RDV. The gym is closed. So then what do we have to do? We used to swim at the RDV. Then what do we do to make sure we could still keep swimming? 
Where did we go? Rockies. The lake. We went to the lake. Just because the RDVs closed doesn't mean we can't go find a lake to swim in. So we found a lake. And then we didn't have the treadmills and stuff to, to run inside in the heat. Where do we go running? Where do we go run? Here. Yeah, outside. So we go right in the heat. And then when we, you know, on the bike, right, the trails and everything was closed. So where do we ride the bike? Here. In our neighborhood. And we couldn't go lift weights at the gym. So where do we start using, you know, training to do strength training? Here. Here. We do monkey bars off the tree? Yeah. Yeah. So we would do pull-ups off the tree. We would create stuff in the pool. So we got stuff here. So we found all kinds of ways to, you know, one obstacle, overcome it with something else. So we've made it fun, haven't we? And so we keep getting stronger and faster. And because everybody else is isolated, we got less to do. So are we working harder or less? Harder. So we're actually training harder because of the virus. Yeah. I know it sounds like you're training under circumstances that might make training tougher or make the race maybe a little easier than maybe maybe some of the inconveniences turn out to be a blessing yeah so for people listening when is when is the iron man and where where's the iron man when panama panama city november 7th november 7th brilliant so hopefully that'll be cooler than it is now and not too mountainous either yeah we won't be (laughs) we won't be worrying about the humidity and the heat will we it's gonna be cold yeah, yeah, I will. <laughs> now, I want to ask you as well, as parents, um, I had a, a firefighter friend who did a great episode on um, when we have you know, young men or young women with special needs as patients, either either in the medical setting or even in the law enforcement setting. With that side, what are some of the things you could advise people listening as far as people with Downs, just, I know, like, pain tolerance, some of my friends that have, have children, they said their pain tolerance is higher, so that can be misleading as to if they're actually in a lot of pain or not. So what are some of the things that you've seen with Chris or even from Chris himself that might assist a medic or even a police officer in their, their treatment? They can't explain themselves the same way. So, okay, so if you're counting on them to explain what's going on, it's not as easy. Right. So that could be a problem. So you'd have to be able to figure it out some other way. Uh, pain tolerance, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I guess it's how they're trained. Yeah. Maybe they they put up with more stuff in their life, so they did develop a stronger pain tolerance because of that. Well, I mean, like you said, multiple surgeries, for example. Yeah, and were the were the recent surgeries from the same thing, the 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 connective tissue? Uh, no, the surgeries on the ears. Oh, they were ears. Ears. So he had stuff growing in his ears, and they had to go in and reconstruct everything. So. Oh, really? Okay. That's why he wears hearing aids. Hearing aids. Brilliant. Right, buddy? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to transition to some closing questions. Um, the first one I love to ask, is there a book that you love, Chris? Can be related to what we've talked about or something completely different? Mike Riley. Mike Riley. What's the book called, you know? He just finished reading it. Iron Man. Iron Man. Mike Riley wrote a book about Iron Man. Oh, brilliant. So, great book. And then, uh, so he wrote stories about heroes, Iron Man heroes. And so we've had a chance to connect with some of them who have sent us stuff and called Chris, including Mr. Marcus Cook. Yep. And um, others who 
have done Ironmans who are in the book. They've contacted Chris. So that was wonderful to encourage him. And Marcus Cook is uh, the guy who was the who was the biggest loser. He was like 550 pounds. Oh, really? And he ended up losing weight, getting down to about 200-something and doing an Ironman. Wow. And he's called us a number of times offering to help Chris with uh, his preparation for Ironman and the things that go around it when you start getting a lot of attention. And then Mike Riley called him and did an interview, you know, and he said, Chris, you promised me you're going to finish, right? Yeah. And what did you tell him? Yep. Yep. And Mike Riley says, I can't wait to see you come across the finish line. Yep. What else did Mike Riley promise you? Smoking up. Smoking up. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to hold him to that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned that, as I meant to ask you before as well. What is it being like? I mean, when... When was it that you had the exposure? And then tell me about the, the media attention, what that was like for you guys. So when did we start getting media attention? Do you remember? Actually, it came only to me yes. down here. All right, only to you. You're right. Nobody cares about me. So but it started. Got him. So got me. It really started to build when he did the half Ironman, which was in May. So the local TV stations did a couple of stories on him. So that started to happen. Um, USA Today did a story on him. Um, USAT. USAT did a big story on him right after the Olympic. So that's when it began to happen. America, Daytona. Daytona did something. And then Special Olympics did uh, a feature article on him twice as their feature athlete. And they started to promote him to the whole Special Olympics community. Yep. And then the... The Unilad, the, the the media company from Germany, came and did a video. And then they, from that, spawned two or three other videos. One of them ended up hitting like 5.3 or 5.5 million views. Mm-hmm. I know I shared that one. So, yeah. So, a number of things started to happen almost at the same time. And it started to happen quickly. And, and then other organizations have done stories on him. That uh, company in Italy, one in Brazil, one in Spain. So, I want to hear more about Italy. Italy, I know. You, you like Italy. <laughs> There's no <laughs> you, blondes in Italy. You know why I like Italy. <laughs> Tell them why you like Italy. Because um, there are these two beautiful ladies. These two beautiful ladies who got on a, on a video conference with you. So... Uh, they're first of all, Parisi, they called her, they called me. They did call you, and they want, they want you to be an ambassador for them. For gym equipment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You're going to be a sponsored athlete. And then last week um, was a story with uh, German magazine, Triathlon magazine, that they published a really nice story on him. And then next week is going to be another one locally. So, uh, you know, it's been interesting. Things are coming pretty rapidly from a lot of different directions. Yeah, well, I mean, that international response, though, that's that's incredible. It shows what a, a wave, what a ripple he's put around the world. Yeah. People have been wonderful the, the way they reach out and, encourage him every day and we've been posting on social media every day to kind of give people an update on the journey so they can see that it's a uh, uh it is a journey and it's about consistency and we really use it as a way to raise awareness but also as a way to uh put a level of accountability on us to say look every day all of the people around the world are wondering are you going to quit or are you going to keep going so you know if they don't hear from you from three or four days they think you quit yeah. So we're going to tell them every day that we're not quitting and we're doing a little bit more each day to get better. Right, buddy? Every day. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think the other thing that I've said a few times to people in conversations before is people, 
I think are really yearning for inspiring stories. And I mean that in just, just goodness in the world. You know, there's, there's a lot of negativity out there. And so I think you've, you've inspired a lot of people, Chris, just because, like you said, the obstacles were all there and you basically kicked the door in. And even with this corona, you're like, all right, well, I'll ride my bike in, in the room upstairs then. You know, I mean, so I think, and it also takes away a lot of the excuses that people give themselves. There's so many excuses these days. We live such a comfortable life and you've undertaken the biggest like endurance challenge that there is out there. So I think it's incredible. And I think that the accountability makes a lot of sense, but I think people are, you know, really excited to see you finish that, that, I mean, cross that finish line. Are you excited to finish that finish line? Oh, yeah. are. And people listening, there might be a smoking hot blonde waiting for you if they hear this. So yeah. be prepared. There might be a whole bunch yeah. of them. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Well, the second closing question. Is there a movie that you love? What's your favorite movie? Every time I see my parents watch a movie, I'm going to see uh, a man and a woman just kissing. Uh-huh. And I remind myself, hmm, interesting. Can I care wife now or be like my daddy? <laughs> You'll be like the daddy. Yeah. You didn't answer his question. What's, yes, your, I did. what's That's your favorite fine. movie? Tell them what your favorite movie is. Let's think about all the movies you've watched. So many. Dark Horse. Which one? Dark Horse. Is it Dark Horse? Locos? Who? Dark Horse. Narcos. No, it's not. Yes, it is. All right. So think about um, what music do you play when you run? Hip hop. And then what else? Who's that boxer that you like? Rocky. Rocky. You know how many people say that movie when I ask them the same question? What? So many. Love Rocky. Because uh, he loves Rocky. Underdog story. Yep. yep. Loves Rocky. And listens to his song. So when he's ready to finish the last 200 yards, turns on Rocky. You're going to hold your hands up in the air like he does on no. the stairs when you finish? I'll do punches. 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 There we go. And the kicks now. The door kick. <laughs> Kicking the door down. There you go. All right. So the next question, is there a person that you recommend to come on this podcast as a guest to speak to the first responders, military, and basically everyone else that's out sure. there listening? My wife. Your wife? Well, she might be listening now. You don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> So, look, um, you're looking for, for what we consider heroes? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Someone who inspires you. It doesn't uh, have I, to be I, related. I would go with Coach Dan. Right? I, would, I, would, I would go for Iron Woman. No, how about Coach Dan? So, I would go for Coach Dan because without Coach Dan and the intensity of his support of Chris and how he goes out of his way to help him, you know, it's not easy to do what... Um, Coach Dan is doing for Chris. You know, he comes out on a Sunday and he'll do a four or five hour, six hour bike ride with Chris. He'll spend all day with him. Or Saturday he'll go uh, running, you know, 15 miles with him. He's got a family. He's got a business to run. He's got kids. He's got his own life. And yet the amount of time and dedication he puts into helping Chris succeed is just unbelievable. So when we think about, you know, what, what would what makes this possible? It's people like Dan and, and then all the other people who have volunteered around him. But he's the spearhead. He's kind of the, the one person that everybody else is um, gathering around and helping him to help Chris. Right. Well, speaking of that, with um, 
as a parent myself, my little boy did jujitsu, and and his um, his instructor, who sadly passed away, was absolutely a mentor, and that was a different relationship that I could have as a father. So, what power do you attribute to a mentor in in a child's life to to help raise them? It's it's incredible. Without that, it's kind of hard. And so, someone like Dan uh, has become such a critical part of his life you know what do you call dan now buddy what title did you get dan what do you call him uncle uncle dan so dan went from being someone who's going to run a race with him to now it's like uncle dan mm -hmm. and so he's part of the family now and he goes over hangs out with the family the kids you know have taken him in you know dan's wife is is taking him in so he's become part of the family and you know we trusted if uh, you know we needed somebody to to look out for him uncle dan and Mindy and the, the rest of the family would, would take care of Chris. So, you know, people like that who reach out and, and make a difference, you can't, you can't say enough about people like that. To me, those are the real heroes. Yeah. Uh, unsung, and they dedicate their time and their, their resources and their money uh, and their, their love to make sure that someone like Chris actually has a lot of success in his journey. Yeah, and I think that's a, a role that a lot of people forget they can fill. You know, we, we're, we're, we have a tendency to just, expect other people to step in be the one but I'm, i think almost every single person that's got a powerful story on here there's always some sort of mentor figure at a pivotal point in their life before they start that upward trajectory sure would be nice if, if there were more people like dan because there's so many other people like chris who could use a mentor like dan right because the parents you know may not be equipped to handle this right just like i wasn't equipped to handle an iron man with chris but someone like dan stepped in and and you know he's kind of playing that role uh, and, and just being instrumental in his success. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, that was something that I read in one of the interviews as well was the concern of um, independence when you're raising a young man, you know, like especially when the parents are getting older. So how have you found triathlon specifically as helping kind of foster that independence? So he... Is I found it because... I'm just fond of the sport. You fall in love with the sport? And uh, when I did that half Ironman uh, in May, uh, in an interview from the news station, uh, the news station said, Why would you want to do something like this? And then I said, I'm surrounded by the ladies because whenever I have a wife in the future, I would just nail a trauma speech uh, dominant speech, feminine speech, or open all doors, give attention, not cry, party, stay up all night, never go to bed, stay up. Oh yeah, no, all night, gotta never go to bed. Have a corona. So can we have him ask the question again? Because I'm sure we went in different directions. <laughs> <laughs> you like to answer the question your way, don't you? Yeah. 
How about if we listen to his question and maybe answer it? Well, it was partly answering because you talk. I was talking about independence, and you're talking about getting married, living on your own, partying, having a corona. Yeah. So what? What else though? What? What other skills? Um, do you think that triathlon, that racing, has given you to make you more independent? What have you learned? I've learned the risk of the bad pain. The risks associated with that yeah and then what did you do like when caleb came over and he wanted to know what it's like to train for iron man what did you do helped him how, how did you help him what did you do for him like me. You, but what did you do to be like you was there possible things yeah but you coached them right yeah so did you learn how to coach yeah sure because you were able to coach him to do all of the same drills that you do yeah that's something you didn't know before and so Caleb was like, wow, you make a good coach, Chris. So he's learned skills like coaching through being coached. He's learned skills about riding by riding, running, right? Hydration, using watch. Do you need help turning on your watch and running everything? Yeah. No, you don't. You do it yourself. You do it. Well, but you can do all that yourself. You can. So it's amazing how many skills he's learning just mastering the various elements of an Ironman. And everything from nutrition to strength to conditioning, right, to using technology to following a plan. And all those little things start building up to the point where they become a skill set that, you know, will allow him to be able to do a job and and to be able to find something that he can be productive in. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's hugely important. Like you said, he's, he's already forge his own path in the sporting world and I can see completely how that would parallel you know success in all other areas mm -hmm. as well there's so many jobs he could end up doing now so coach uncle Dan now has him working at the real estate company oh really what do you have what is he having you do volunteer volunteer so he goes out and volunteers for the food bank you know once a week and then what else does he have you do at work packages packages filling them out Sending them to people. What about at the open houses? What do you do? Boxes. And then what else? Who, wh what do you? What's your role when people come in? Greeter. Greeter. You're the best greeter everywhere. You everybody gets a hug. Yeah. <laughs> you make them feel at home. Yeah. So they're uh, Uncle Dan is saying, look, he's got skills. We can teach him how to do different things in real estate. Mm -hmm. So he's got an internship doing real estate and learning how to do different jobs within the office. Um, he, he is a public speaker and his message is simple. It's only 20 minutes long, but it's an effective message. And, you know, he can learn, he can learn the message. He can deliver the message. Uh, takes a lot longer for him than the average person, but he's capable. And honestly, I think it's more inspiring because it is such a difficult message to deliver. And, um, he is the message, right? He's saying, look, look, look at me. Look at uh, what I've been able to accomplish with so little. And, and the message is, imagine what you can do with the gifts you got. Exactly. And uh, and people kind of look at that and say, you know, you're right. What am I complaining about? Mm -hmm. No, it's like, it reminded me of, because I saw your presentation. I get the man's name right. Uh, Frank Stevens. Did you ever see? It was before Congress. And it was talking about, you know, basically prejudice amongst the Downs community. And it was a beautiful speech. And again, it took him longer to deliver and he had a bit of a stammer like a lot of us do. I do too. But yeah, I mean, and it was so powerful because again, there he is 
you know, in this political building, delivering an incredibly articulate speech. And yeah, so I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Sure, he has to practice his speech. He has to learn it. He has to learn delivering it. And then he delivers it and he does a nice speech. And, you know, at the end, it's a, it's an inspiring speech because it's a true story that says, look, I've overcome all kinds of odds in spite of all the obstacles I have and in spite of all the limitations I have. Uh, right? he, what he says is he's, he's learned to overcome that to achieve something like Iron Man and something else. Most people, think about how many people are going to stand up in front of a thousand people and deliver a speech. No. Absolutely. I can tell you right now, Chris, I get the biggest anxiety when I speak in front of people. That's why I hide behind a microphone. And, he, and he's done that. His first speech ever was a six-minute speech in front of a thousand people. Amazing. And then since then, he's done a bunch of others. I'm actually doing one in Minnesota. You're doing one in Minnesota? Yeah. I wonder why in Minnesota. Those fucking hot Miss Minnesota competition, probably. Yeah. <laughs> You think you think you're gonna do a speech there, and she's and what's what's gonna happen in the audience? You're gonna meet a kid. You're gonna meet someone, huh? Somebody's gonna stand up and say what? I'm marrying that kid. I'm marrying that kid. <laughs> Keep dreaming, buddy. Well, we dreamed about the Iron Man. Look where where it got you. You're doing an Iron Man. So, all right. Well, I want to do one more closing question, and then we'll just talk about where people can find you on Instagram. What do you do to relax, to decompress when you're not training? Fear games because I broke. And then my mom usually takes me to the party. Now and then. Now and then, okay. But it's like every day she takes me. Right. No application. So your favorite things are video games? Yeah. Reading books? Yeah. And then what else is the third thing you like to do? Pool. Pool. We go in the pool a lot and play. And I beat him up. You, you beat him up in the pool? Yeah, I do. <laughs> and I muscle him. Muscle me. I'll tell you, stop muscling me. <laughs> do you have the, the pool, um, what do they call it? Like the harness so you can swim? Yep. Yeah. Okay. All set up so he's got that to be able to pull. Okay. I thought I saw it when I was using yep. the restroom. So. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, then I already follow you on Instagram, but for people listening, what's the best place for them to find you online? Uh, best place is your website because from sorry. there, they can go anywhere. Okay. So what's your website? It's chrisnickers.com. That's it, chrisnickers.com. Okay, N-I-K-I-C. Yeah. And then from there, there's a link to Facebook, Instagram. Beautiful. And they can go from there. But we're going to start posting more and more things on the on his webpage, more educational stuff, and an easier way to get to different places. Perfect. All right. Oh, and then one more thing before I close as well. Have you ever done the Down for Donuts event before? Um, it's a... A CrossFit event, and we do it for, to raise for Gigi's Playhouse. Have you heard? Of it? Yeah. So we have it at our gym up in Ocala. I think it's usually February, March. I would love to invite you guys up to to do to come participate if you know if you're free at that time. So it's a pretty cool event. My my coaches, my coach owners of the gym, they have a little girl with Down, um, and uh, you know there's there's a whole community. We have a whole event where where uh, you know those young men and women have their own competition as well so yeah it's, it's a fun day but i want Sounds to extend that yeah we'd love to come up in uh, march okay in march he was invited to go to mississippi they have a big fundraising event up there for a school that they have for 
kids with special needs. Excellent. That they pay for everything. So they've invited Chris to be a keynote speaker at their um, fundraising, big annual fundraising event. So we're going to go up to Mississippi and meet a bunch of nice people. And our problem is just not going. And um, after I'm there, they're going um, to pay for my flight, my hotel, and my dinner. Oh, you think so? Yeah. They're going to pay for your dinner? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> as long as they pay for dinner, that's all that matters. Yeah. Is it P.F. Chang's? Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, the Waffle House. The Waffle House, you like that too? Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me to your home. It was great to actually catch you finishing your workout as well but uh, i'm very excited to see i hope that this you know pandemic doesn't stop the iron man hope i'm hoping i'm very optimistic that we'll be somewhat past this now but i'm very excited to see you finish that before 12 11 58 and then watch thanks. you in, walk into the arms of a blonde uh, thanks <laughs> walk into the arms of a blonde your mother yeah yeah there we go i didn't say which one did i and then, Chris, as I said before, as soon as the pandemic lifts up and we're able to, I'll get you either to a fire station here or, if you want, one of the fire stations in Disney. So we'll make it happen for you, uh, okay? Cool. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay.